Hey guys, we are back with another episode of the Blazing Cards podcast, and today we are here with Jake Cuskin. Uh, Is that the right yeah. way? Yeah, Cuskin. But uh, you guys might know him as Blade Yu-Gi-Oh. That's Blade Y-G-O on YouTube. Um, and yeah, we're just gonna kind of get pick his brain a little bit. So uh, thanks Ooh. for coming <laughs> on. No problem. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Like like we talked about a little bit before, you're the first uh, Yu-Gi tuber to be on. So, yeah. Um, it's exciting, and I guess if you don't mind, you want to kind of talk about what you do on your channel? Yeah, sure. So my name is Blade YGO. Um, I make content, uh, essentially analysis videos on different aspects of the Yu-Gi-Oh! trading card game, and I talk about either competitive content or just my opinions on cards in general in a very casual oriented manner. So if you like casual, uh, jazzy discussions uh, with that's pretty chill, I would say, uh, make sure to come on down to my channel. Sweet. Um, so do you have any, uh, I guess let's, let's start kind of from the beginning. How did you get into Yu-Gi-Oh? How long have you been playing Yu-Gi-Oh for? Um, so I got into Yu-Gi-Oh in... I think it was like when Duelist Genesis came out um, because like I, I grew up on 5Ds. Mm -hmm. um, so I got into the game. I watched the anime and then my parents bought me uh, a hot red dragon or like a red dragon arch fiend tin for my birthday. Uh, and then I just got like, I, and I was watching the anime and everything. So I got pretty hooked. Um, but like nothing competitive at that point I was still like like really young at the time I was like six years old I think um so like nothing like too crazy but um so yeah so I got into the game then and then like after a year or two I started fading out of it because um I just like didn't have anyone to play against and like going to locals was really inconvenient um and like obviously I, I was like really young at the time so you know, um, but after that point, I got back into the game in August of 2016 uh, because at the time, one of my teachers at school actually played Yu-Gi-Oh! And he was like my advisor and everything. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And so he was, he played like the game super casually, but he kept up a bit. And so he was the reason I got into the game or like even started learning about it again. And then I met my friend. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows him who's listening to this, but Dimitri, uh, he also went to the same school as me. And uh, yeah, so th from there, I just started learning more and more about the game. And eventually Dimitri and I became friends and he taught me a lot about like a lot of the competitive aspects of the game outside of just like me learning about this stuff on my own. Uh, and it turned out like, I mean, here we are today. I uh, definitely do not regret getting into Yu-Gi-Oh. It's been mm -hmm. quite a good experience. <laughs> um, yeah. That's awesome. So um, what made you decide to, to step into Yu-Gi tubing? So when it comes to YouTubing, I've always been like, like besides Yu-Gi-Oh, I've always loved YouTubing um and like watching like youtubers whether like when i was younger i'd watch toy reviews of like uh like different toys or i'd watch like video games uh being played or whatever the case may be and then 
I would obviously like after seeing that, I'm like, oh, I want to try that. So I started like making a ton of different channels just like for the fun of it. And eventually, like, obviously it was like pretty casual. I didn't do like too much in-depth research at that time. But by the time I was in high school, around like 2018, uh, in like the summertime, I um, I was essentially at a friend's house and randomly the thought just hit me like, you know what, if I started a YouTube channel today about Yu-Gi-Oh and was dedicated to it, uh, I would be committed and I would grow an actual audience. And I don't know why that specific day, like everything just clicked for me, um, but something just clicked in my head. I started doing a ton of research on YouTubing uh, and started making videos consistently. And then from there, I uh, got a guest upload on House of the Champs or John's channel. Um, and then everything just started spiraling from there. Mm. Uh, and that's uh, the start of how, where we are today. Um, nice, so, yeah. that's awesome. How, how, do you know, uh, how do you know John? Uh, so John does weekly streams on his uh, YouTube channel and Twitch. Mm -hmm. And from there, I, uh, I became a, I like, even before I started YouTubing, uh, I was like an active viewer of John's stream. And uh, eventually, um, like I would start making videos and John eventually checked out my videos and he started liking the content. And uh, uh, at a point he was going out to a trip to Disney with his, I think at the time it was his fiance. Now they're married, but uh then uh, John asked me if he wanted, if I wanted to do a guest upload on his channels while he was away on vacation. And I was like, 100%. And yeah, so from sweet. there, I was at like 122, 124 subscribers. And then overnight, I blew up to like 500 subscribers. Um, and then it's just started like snowballing out of control from there, uh, which is super exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, now you're 25,000 subscribers. So, uh, yeah <laughs> definitely blew up and snowballed for sure that's awesome. yeah no things have definitely uh picked up over time uh i see like on your channel you have a pretty wide variety of, mm -hmm. of content um is there something what do you try to like give to your viewers is it just sharing like knowledge that you have or do you have um, like a certain goal in mind when when making a video yeah so when it, whenever i make a video uh, like some YouTubers will be like my specific goal, like, uh, will be to help you in some specific way. And while obviously I want to help people get better at Yu-Gi-Oh and all of that, I also want to make sure like the content I'm uploading is stuff I'm actually passionate about. Mm. So, um, like every video as of like most, like very recent or not very recent, but like, at, like every video, uh, in like the past, however long. If I'm uploading it, that means like I'm into the topic uh, or I'm just like memeing or something. But um, so like, for example, like the uh, in like my most recent video, the insane potential of spellcasters, that video, I, I was really passionate about the topic because I just had a random thought like, oh, you know, Crowley is a really cool link monster. And then that just kind of snowballed into an entire discussion. Whereas another video where I was uh, discussed, not discussing, but made like a nine second video on, uh, it was titled, when I realized this Yu-Gi-Oh! Balance wasn't enough, the video ends. 
And it was just like, at, when you see the exceeds list and you don't see Calamity's ban, it's just like the video ends. But <laughs> so that was just like a meme video. But um, yeah, so like I, I essentially take a topic that I'm passionate about and put my twist on it mm. because the way I present it is definitely very different from like every other YouTuber where I obviously have like all the chill music, chill vibes, but like my opinion also is very unique from a lot of different other YouTubers. So because of that, uh, I think people love my unique opinions and they want to learn more about the game through those opinions. So it kind of all meshes together into one combination. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. It definitely does seem like you're doing um, unique stuff. Like, I feel like most YouTubers just stick to, like, market watches or they have, like, their mm -hmm. pack openings. And yet you have yeah. different videos where you're, like, being a lot more informative, which is... Yeah, um, exactly. Like, um, like, for example, like, deck profiles are, like, obviously at this point, they're very oversaturated. Yeah. Um, like, everyone does them, but... Uh, like my type of content, I think the only other Yugi tuber that I can that comes to the top of my head that's comparable is like DZ. Um, and then even then, like his content is somewhat is like in a different style and everything from mine. So like people, different people can watch both of us for different reasons. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um. So if somebody wanted to maybe start their own channel or start content creating, mm -hmm. um in, in Yu-Gi-Oh or, or Pokemon or something, do you have any um, advice for them or for how they would get started? Yeah, so my general biggest tip is like, if we're gonna be like very uh, like general, I, I always think re doing research before you step into a field is like one of the most important things you can do. Mm -hmm. I think uh, people, like there, there's probably a quote for this that I can't think of, but like when you're, when you do something and you're prepared for it, that's when you get the maximum benefits rather than like entering a field and not doing any research, because if you don't know what you're doing, you're just not going to get anywhere. Um, hmm. So I think like research, like, like, and not everyone wants to hear that, but like research is a very, like, it's one of the biggest reasons I was successful um, on YouTube and just in general, I think research is such a valuable tool that people don't give enough credit for. But then like, if we're talking about like YouTube uh, specifically outside of just research, I would probably say, I mean, one, like consistency is really important. Um, mm -hmm. If you upload like once a week, even like sometimes depending on the how high quality your channel is like it's fine but generally speaking youtube favors more consistency so like that's why i've dipped my quality a little bit to increase my consistency rate uh and it's been paying off because like i've been doing every other up day uploads for the past week and i have videos scheduled for the future um that to come up out every other day and it just snowballs uh when you upload consistently uh and like so like preferably like two or more times per week would be optimal but like obviously there's always other constraints um another thing would be like perfectionism uh people sometimes are perfectionist which isn't a bad thing like i used to definitely be the same way 
but after a specific point you should probably just like accept that it's not going to be perfect or like you should just get out the content um even if it's not perfect because like realistically if there isn't like this one effect like if you do a b-roll and um you put so much time into it most people aren't gonna like pay attention to that one b-roll like um it's like if i do an audio mess up in a video like for a second or two like it's not really that big of a deal at the end of the day as long as like the information is being presented and people are able to retain it and that one audio mistake doesn't ruin the entire video Mm -hmm. um so like sometimes going above and beyond just isn't necessary uh so i think that's another big tip i uh i have cool yeah no those are good answers so you said you actually play the game competitively as well. Yeah. Have, have you had uh, like any success playing? Yeah. Um, so one, my main like instance of success, obviously we've been in quarantine. So like I haven't been able to go to any events recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but like uh, in 2019 and like generally speaking, I don't go to too many events just because like I'm still in uh, school and everything. So it's harder for me to travel. But one of my biggest success or like my main top, uh, as people put it, is my UDS top in 2019. Cool. Uh, there was like a, a Las Vegas UDS and I played Salomon Great for that event. Uh, and I teched cards like at the time, Foul wasn't popular in Salomon Great, enemy controller wasn't being played at the time. So it was like a teched out version of Salomon Great. And uh, I got top 16 with it. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great. Do you, do you see yourself traveling more to events in the future? Yeah, so I'm going to be uh, in college later this year when uh, uh, like after my senior year in high school. And so after that point, like I'll probably travel to a few more events. So like if I was traveling to like one or two events per year, or like maybe I, there'd be a local event. So it'd be like three events max. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll travel to like five or six events potentially. Gotcha. Um, but yeah. So it sounds like you're kind of just uh, like making your mark in the, in the competitive scene. Um, yeah. Um, I haven't like really uh i mean like i've networked with competitive players but i haven't Mm -hmm. necessarily uh like made my huge like i haven't had like a big year or anything along those lines yeah Um, and that's just due to like travel reasons sure Um, and and i feel like that's like a pretty relatable thing or maybe like a lot of listeners might be in that position um Mm -hmm. so with somebody who's you know maybe on like the cusp of breaking through or like will break through when when you have more opportunity to travel um Mm -hmm. how did you how did you get to that point um so i think one of the biggest reasons like uh so i guess i'll give a little backstory as to like when i started playing competitively in Mm -hmm. august 2016 um so at that time like a little history lesson i guess um the format just shifted because there was a new ban list so monarchs uh ba pendulum and cosmo were all starting to get rotated out of the metagame because of this list and then new decks were starting to come in like we had metal foes and then abc that structure deck came out and then later that year we got totally awesome uh which made paleozoica deck 
And so that format I have fond memories of because it was like my first competitive, uh, real competitive format. But at that time, like, and like, I didn't have a channel at this time. And so I wasn't like making money um, to afford massive expensive cards. Um, but I just like bought it, three ABC structure decks. And then I bought some Metal Thos cards because they're like rares and everything and commons. And uh, I picked up a, a Metal Thos ABC deck. And um, from there, I just like grinded every week at local at my local store um and yeah and from there I just consistently kept practicing and I think that's like one of the biggest things if you want to become a competitive player just consistency is key it's like YouTube like if you want to get good at something you need to keep practicing keep uploading whatever the case may be um I think consistency is a really important like just facet of life in general um but yeah, so I just consistently played every week. I would play like on Dueling Network and all of that. Um, like at the time it was Dueling Network. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I just started getting better and better. And over, and then eventually the Zodiac stuff came out in Raging Tempest. And so from there, I was able to afford like one Dryden, one Broadbull, one Tiger Mortar, one Broadbow or uh, Borbo. And from there, I... I like actually competed in at a time at the time this card was expensive as heck uh dimensional barrier tournament at my local store and I won it and that was like the a big deal for me because this was like the first tournament in general that I've won um so because of that uh that was like the moment I felt like I finally like was doing something like or making big progress I guess um, and from there, I just consistently kept playing. Uh, and then eventually we get to the UDS. And, uh, by that point I've played a ton at the, at that rate. Um, and I started to network with other people and I've been learning about the game so much and all of that. Um, and so from there, I, I would argue it's like, it was a combination of a good meta call, um, being that I expected a ton of Salomon Great Mirrors because it was like new and it was pretty popular. And uh, I, so yeah, so I chose to play Enemy Controller because it was really strong in the mirror match. And then Foul was a card not many people were playing at the time, but like it solved one of the biggest issues with the deck um, in my eyes at the time, at least, which was like redundancy in hands, where if I draw like Circle, gazelle and uh spinny like that hand only like i think one of the coolest things i found about salomon great was that every hand was like four disruptions because uh if you draw like gazelle spinny that's and then three other cards that's three cards as disruption plus the card you get off gazelle um and so like the philosophy just like made sense that foul was if you drew like multiple searchers or like multiple ways to access cards foul made it so that your monster monster heavy hands were weren't like redundant hmm. and then uh foul also helped you like push second through back push going second through back row um and so i think a combination of those two things and just like good technical play uh was what got me there um but uh, yeah, so like that's that's just my ramble. But um, yeah, that's uh, I guess that's how like things led to that. Yeah, 
Sure, that makes sense. And um, I guess, how did you stumble across uh, Foul? Like, what made you? Because I feel like a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. teching a card can be the difference maker between topping an event and not topping. And it seems 100%. like that card played um, a big role in topping. How yeah. did you? How did you come to find that card and decide to use it? Um, so I think I saw an OCG deck list, like it Mm. wasn't that popular in the OCG, but I saw an OCG deck list play it. I think like speaking of the OCG, little side tangent, but like the OCG is a great resource, uh, depending on the context of the situation. Like, like I probably would not have had that top if it wasn't for, uh, me looking at OCG deck lists and seeing what they were messing with because, because they have the cards before us, they have more time to experiment with it and everything. And so, especially if you're not in these like circles of competitive players, you won't be able to get all these insights that other players have. And because of that, um, you're going to, you're going to need to find some way of getting these resources. And so the OCG is a great way to do that. Um, but yeah, so I saw OCG deck list playing, um, uh, foul and I'm like huh that's interesting and then I looked into it more and it was just like insane for me because uh it just did exactly what I wanted uh to solve with the deck um and like not many people were playing foul at the time so it just gave me that extra edge that uh like you said a lot like a tech can be the difference maker in topping a tournament versus not topping and so especially when it's like searchable it's like it becomes even more crazy mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think that was a, a big contributor in my top. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really happy you said that because you're not the first person to, um, mention like the OCG as being a part of their success. And so Mm -hmm. it's something that I think I've tried to emphasize a little bit just because it does seem like a valuable resource and, um, you know, if you're paying attention to what they're doing ahead of time, you can you can pick up the deck and start testing it too ahead of time, just so you're comfortable with playing it by yeah. the time it comes over here. Which exactly, um, yeah, yeah. Like Salomon Great was uh, Salomon Great was only like two weeks or like two to three weeks old at the time. Um, so like if you're like ahead of the curve, then like like let's say a, a deck comes out a week before an event, like you would be so much more prepared if you knew about all this stuff and you were testing it and all of that stuff. Yeah um so for yeah. sure so are you currently um playing a lot right now just like on dueling book and whatnot um yeah so i found myself in a situation where besides like school and um like my college application stuff and all of that uh, i i haven't i don't really need to do anything else other than like my youtube channel or like i haven't been doing much else just because like uh, like, whereas before quarantine, I would be going like to like on a Saturday night, I go somewhere with friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like, I, I'm not really going anywhere because I have to stay home. Um, so because of that, I've been finding myself playing Yu-Gi-Oh a lot more. Like I was real, like, it's funny because in like February, uh, like the last real month before competitive play stopped for the time being, um, I found myself like super out of that format because uh, I just like was doing so much other stuff. Um, and like I had so many other distractions. I just didn't want to find the time to play Yu-Gi-Oh. 
Um, and it's not that I wouldn't find the time to play Yu-Gi-Oh, but it's just like, I wasn't into that format, but now I'm like actually really enjoying this format. Um, I think like there's definitely some flaws with it, but I think overall it's pretty good. What, what would you have changed to the, uh, to the ban list to, to fix up those flaws? Um, I know you have a would, video on your channel. That's like a ban list video thing, but yeah, I, uh, I would start by banning calamities. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like, uh, I think my problem with this format is like, I don't think the combo decks are nearly as oppressive as they used to be. Um, in the sense that like, beak like the ban list has made it so that we're in a weird state of in the game where there's like a ton of control decks and a ton of other decks and then there's like the main two combo decks being drytron and virtual world and they're both like really strong um but they're not like super strong because of what they end on as much because like there is more counterplay to these end boards than uh there than like previous end boards it's more so like now these decks have like an insane grind game and if you give them the turn and that's kind of like the thing with combo versus control i guess where if you end on like a combo deck is gaining so many resources in the immediate compared to a control deck where they typically have to gain resources over a longer period of time mm -hmm. um but like then there's other trade-offs where combo decks typically require more cards to play the game and control decks require less cards to play the game, making control decks typically more consistent. Um, and so like there's like other trade-offs as well, but like um, I think like the combo decks right now are definitely more beatable, but I think like Calamities definitely needs to go next list. And I think Ben 10 needs to get limited or banned. <laughs> And then, like, otherwise, I'd probably keep the... I mean, like, I have a personal bias against the deck, like, Infernoble. <laughs> I hate that deck. But <laughs> um, otherwise, like, I think the format's fine. I think, uh, like, having a ton of control decks in the metagame is, like, definitely a plus. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, I don't actually play, but I feel like control decks mm -hmm. and, and kind of grinding for advantage and actually having that interaction is a lot more fun than just playing no, against yourself I and what you draw 1000 percent. like i've been playing uh i've been playing different control decks just for fun on ladder like right now my main deck is drytron um but i do think like a control deck is significantly more fun because it forces interaction uh and it just creates a much more like interactive and interesting and intricate and skillful uh experience and i think skill is like weird in Yu-Gi-Oh because I I think what like uh, I, I mean this is like a complete side note but when it comes to skill like this it's the type of thing where control decks promote more skill because they were they control decks inherently force more interaction which means there are more situations to make the incorrect play um so I just find it interesting, like, why, like, a control deck is, generally speaking, going to take more skill than a combo deck. Hmm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. I, like I said, I don't currently play, but I feel like mm -hmm. in a combo deck, there's a lot of different options that you can combo into and a yeah. lot of different ways to do the combo. So yeah. just from off the top of my head thinking, I don't know if there if there are more opportunities 
to no, me that's a good point as well. Yeah, but but going off of what you said, mm-hmm. when there's more interaction, you have to be thinking ahead more and kind of playing around what your opponent has, and that yeah. gives an opportunity for more misplays by not like taking into account what they might have and and yeah. you know doing all the math and probability and whatnot to try and mm-hmm. figure out what would be the ideal move and 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 whatnot. So I think there's probably yeah. two sides. There's probably yeah, no, I, I I'd agree actually. I think you're definitely right. Um, there's like a like both like both decks take skill just like in different ways, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. So uh, I want to turn the focus a little bit back to your um, YouTube channel just because it's you know mm-hmm. I think it's really cool what you're doing and obviously you have something special going on there with with uh, such a large audience and whatnot. Uh, do you have a favorite type of video or content to to make? Um, so I think, I mean, like my most popular series is my history content where I take, uh, like different decks of the past and explain why they were tier one. And then I break down, uh, like the history of their tier one, uh, metagame or like, uh, like, or like a tier zero deck or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's definitely like from, uh, like a quality and editing and just general perspective. I think that's my favorite series just because it's definitely like my best one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also just love my, like I, I, it's like, sounds a little corny, but I just love my history video or uh, my analysis videos. Like obviously it's my main type of content, but like I, I love it because I genuinely get into these topics. And so it's really enjoyable for me um in a weird way to just discuss like er, like and discuss and ramble about like different topics I'm passionate about um which is like I mean I've been rambling a lot in this podcast um wow, we're interviewing uh, you so it makes sense we're having a fair yeah point, so. <laughs> weird if you weren't talking much fair enough yeah but yeah <laughs> no <laughs> I'm uh I I just love rambling about uh like interesting subjects and like passionate uh things i'm passionate about uh so yeah so i definitely love my analysis videos like more than anything else but like if i were to say like my best and like like from an objective standpoint i think my history videos are like my favorite series um in terms of like editing and production and all of that gotcha do you have any like favorite yugi tubers that you you watch or maybe get inspiration from um so um currently my favorite this is going to be like a weird answer because i mean like it has to do with me getting into like being really into this format but i've been loving watching like uh both asian persuasion and slim ygo um like their deck profiles that they upload consistently and like just their videos in general i don't know what it is about their videos but i love like the i just love like going on a walk outside and then just listening to them in my ear uh with my airpods on or like whatever uh headphones i'm using uh and just going on a walk it's like super chill um uh, it's just like enjoyable consuming the information like that um, so I don't know why, but they're just like my favorite Yugi tubers right now. But in terms of inspiration, it's kind of, hmm, like, I guess it depends, right? Because like, if some, like, because I definitely do get inspiration from other creators. Like, uh, I think a good, a perfect example 
is like when like uh, a, a, like one of the reason my history videos were so like high quality was because I was inspired by uh, like all the high quality YouTubers like Ruggles and Nim Nim and all of them uploading their high quality content. So I wanted to try it on, uh, try my own version um, of the like high quality videos. And obviously it turned out well um, in terms of view counts and everything. Um, but yeah, generally I don't like get the most inspiration from uh, content creators on Yu-Gi-Oh, but more so like just topics they talk about. Um, and then I kind of twist it into my own way. Um, so yeah. Gotcha. And do you have a, do you have a favorite thing about creating content? Maybe. Um, I, I mean like one thing like that I enjoy, at least as of especially recently, like sometimes it will shift between like the, uh, editing process because I love seeing everything come together in the end or like making it, forcing everything to come together, or whether it be like right now, for example, my favorite part is probably the audio recording because it just like, I, I just love rambling about uh, like subjects about Yu-Gi-Oh that I'm passionate about. Um, so I definitely think audio recording is the most enjoyable, uh, but like my consistently least favorite part is uh, like, I mean, I've tweaked it a little bit to make it easier, but like audio editing just sucks. Um, <laughs> like not that like, it's annoying to listen to myself or something like that, but it's just like so tedious and yeah. you don't get to see like all the visuals come together. So, um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the audio editing. That uh, makes sense. That's fair. Yeah. It, it seems like your average video is like, um, around the 10 minute mark, I, I would guess. Yeah. So usually my videos can range from like, Recently, they've been like either six minutes long all the way to like 12 minutes long. Yeah. Um, with like a good medium being like 10 minutes, like you said. Um, so how, how much time do you put into those 10 minute video or on average, how much time do you put into a video like behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. So I like, it's weird, right? Because I used to take like three to four hours to finish a video um, but like as time has gone on, I've gotten so efficient at the process that it can take me like as little as an hour to an hour and a half to get a full video done just because um, of how efficient I've become. Uh, yeah. Because I also have like a ton of presets and everything for editing to make things, my life easier. Um, so yeah, so there's that. And then uh, what was I going to say? Um the videos from a while back, the history content, that stuff takes me a lot longer. I'm sure. I would say like, like it could take like 15 hours to get um, wow. like one video done, which like um, is a lot considering, and like I could spend more time on it, but like considering that I'm also a high school, a full-time student, um, it's like, it's a, it's a lot of time commitment. Uh, mm -hmm. to be putting into all of that um so yeah so as of recent at least it's been a lot more manageable because i've just kind gotcha. of like managed it to make it that way so yeah yeah i assume with the history videos it's, it's a lot more like research yeah and, like and whether whatnot. it's uh i've lived through the format so maybe i know about it more or mm -hmm. like then there's like scripting and everything or sometimes i do need to do research for some topics 
Um, so yeah, so like those videos are a lot more tedious. Um, but like, obviously, like, I think it comes back down to like, quality can get rewarded on YouTube a lot of the time. Um, but generally speaking, it's not going to be, it's not always like very rewarding. Like you could have the highest quality video on in Yugi tubing and I'll only get like a thousand views max, um, just sure. because the algorithm didn't like push it out as much or like you didn't upload enough beforehand. Um, or like you didn't get the recognition that some other, uh, Yugi tubers gave to other videos. So, mm -hmm. um, it, it's just like how it is. So like, I always think like a balance is like the most important thing between quality and quantity, because I don't think, I think quantity is generally more important, but I, I don't think quality should be ignored in that case, because quality is like, like on a very similar level to quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Cool. And is there anything you'd want like your, your viewers to know, I guess? Um, about what, like my, uh, like YouTube. That's YouTubing? a good question. It's pretty general, uh -huh. I guess. Like, um, I mean, I guess you speak to your audience constantly so you can tell them whatever <laughs> you want to know, but, uh, or you'd want them to know, but, um, mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know. Maybe that was a, a, a bad question. We, we can skip that one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no problem i mean like if uh like i guess like in terms of yugi tubing i think uh we're just like Yu-Gi-Oh in general i guess something to uh that i like my quote-unquote parting words with uh with it would be like make sure you're like do not do something in terms of even just like general life don't like like I and I guess like this especially applies to YouTubing in general but like don't force yourself to make a specific type of content because it appeals to someone else or whatever the case may be like for example I could have easily made my channel about uh like video games and it could have potentially blown up just as much as my Yu-Gi-Oh channel has but like just because it's a different niche it's blown up significantly more, but that's just not who I am. Like I'm, I'm the type of person that enjoys playing Yu-Gi-Oh and enjoys talking about it. Um, and so I think if you're starting like a YouTube channel, for example, I think it's very important that whatever you're making is something you're passionate about. Um, because otherwise, if you're not passionate about it, it's just going to be impossible to maintain. Um, so I think that's like something I'd want to make sure people realize when it comes to like YouTubing as a whole. Yeah, that's cool. I guess maybe, maybe I should have changed that to, um, what mm -hmm. advice would you give them? And that was good advice. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's, so uh, that would probably be like my biggest advice when it comes to just YouTubing as a whole. Um, so yeah. Have you been paying attention at all to the upcoming, uh, set Blazing Vortex? Yes. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> I have some mixed thoughts about that set. I'm like very disappointed that the metal foe support is very disappointing and lackluster just because like, um, as like I was talking about earlier in the podcast, I'm like, like my, one of my favorite archetypes is metal foes. So when I heard they got new support, I was like, oh my God, this is so hype. And then it was super disappointing. Um, so there's that, but we're also getting cards like pot of disparity and that card is crazy. Yeah. Um, I think that card, it, it's going to bring an interesting dynamic to the game because 
unlike uh, previous pot cards, you don't draw two, but you get the ability to cycle through three to six of uh, your main deck cards, similar to a duality, but it's like a super duality, I, I would call it. Um, and like you actually have control over what you're banishing. And there's like, and I could like do a whole discussion on this topic mm -hmm. on just disparity as a whole. But I think Disparity is a very fascinating card in terms of card design because there's an actual reason to play it over the other pot cards. Because, for example, I'll take a random deck like Dragon Maids um, that I've been performing pretty well in the OCG. Um, the Pot of Disparity by itself made like that deck like a tier, like notched it a tier up just because Disparity is like a uh a 10th 11th and 12th copy of a dragon maid because mm -hmm. you can cycle through so many different cards in your main deck being like six which is a huge quantity um to try to find another copy of a dragon maid um, sure yeah i gotcha i'm just gonna for those of you who, who might be listening and don't know uh what it does um mm -hmm. it's a normal spell card that says banish three or six cards from your extra decks face down uh, remove cards from the top of your deck equal to the number banished. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not removed. Excavate a card from the top of your deck equal to the number banished. Add one of them to your hand and also place the rest on the bottom of your deck in any order. For the rest of this turn, after this card resolves, any damage your opponent takes is halved. You cannot draw any cards by card effect. The turn you activate this card, you can only activate one pot of disparity per turn. Yeah, that card is... Uh... I, I think, like, I mean, I'll probably make a discussion eventually, but I think that card's exceptional. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never excavate. That's a new term for me. Cards yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Like, you usually don't see excavate effects, but, like, sometimes they're insane with, like, Ad Emancipators and, like, this card. And then other times they're just, like, terrible effects. Isn't excavate just, like, reveal, basically? What's the um yeah essentially excavating is when you take like the x like however many cards off the top of your deck um and then you reveal them and then depending on the card so like sylvans were a former tier one art type that used excavating as well where in that case you'd excavate the top card if it's like a plant send it to the grave mm -hmm. otherwise put it to the bottom or you'd have a deck like an emancipator um where you just like reveal like five cards from the top of your deck and then like choose a rock, summon it, and then put the others on the bottom. Um, so it's like different to milling in a sense. Gotcha. Um, I see. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that because that shows my um, limited knowledge of the game. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see. What's what what can people expect to see on your channel in the future? Is it just um, do you have any like upcoming series that you're thinking about or that you're excited about uh, or any new things like that? So like my current plan is to start getting back into like because I've been like on and off this past year with uploads like mm -hmm. either very infrequent or like consistent. I'm trying to get back this year on a consistent schedule. That's uh, my New Year's resolution, I guess. Um, so once I'm like organized with that, I'm going to be planning some new stuff moving forward, whether that be like uh, like a Patreon or like different like products Ooh. in that sense, like in terms of making revenue. Uh, but I'll also be planning like new series and all of that. 
nothing currently set in stone, but definitely look forward to some exciting stuff uh, in this year. Gotcha. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know if I really have any any questions uh, that I can think of. Is, are there any mm-hmm. shout outs that you that you want to give to anybody? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I guess I'd like shout out like all my friends. Um, uh, like, I, I mean, obviously my channel shout outs to my friends, like Dimitri, uh, like all the Ryans that I know, uh, shout outs to like everybody from team end game, all that stuff. Um, are you on the team? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a member of it, but, uh, it, it's just like, you know, it's just a ton, a, a group of friends playing in Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, so that's pretty cool um but uh yeah i i think that's about it cool well yeah definitely uh we're gonna shout out your channel uh again it's it's blade ygo um i'm gonna have a link in the description but there's a there's a lot of cool content on his channel and it sounds like there's a lot of cool stuff coming so uh, definitely check his channel out um i think you'll probably learn a lot and get some interesting analysis like you said um you like to make videos and kind of share some of your knowledge and, and yeah. a little bit so yeah definitely no it's uh thank you for having me on here it's been a blast yeah no thank you i appreciate it um it's always i always find it very nice when like i haven't actually met somebody in person and mm-hmm. they just do it kind of uh as like a favor so uh thank you and thanks for your time i appreciate it no problem happy to be here <laughs> sweet well i look forward to meeting you when uh this uh, pandemic comes to an end one hundred percent. Yeah. No. It, it, I'll be. Make sure to check out Blazing Cards, guys. I'll. I'll be coming <laughs> to the store at some point. <laughs> yeah. Thank um, you. I yeah. appreciate that. All right. Sweet. Well, thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it. No problemo.